book three part one of susan by ernest old meadow this librivox recording is in the public domain transcriber's note some of the letters printed in book three are found in the m s of the diary only in abridgments and one is missing altogether the transcriber has copied them from the originals in extenso and has inserted them in the proper places st veronique part one monday four p m at last it's like coming home i'm in my dear old room with the front window looking over the beck and the willows to the sea and the side window opening on the orchard the trees have grown since last year and if i leaned out far enough there are three rosy apples that i could pluck straight from the branch as it sways in the soft wind the dupoiriers are delighted i've come poor things considering the gorgeous summer they haven't been doing over well yet the hotel is sweeter than ever those stuffy velvet curtains that i always loathed have been taken out of the salon it was a bit of a shock to see the summer house stripped of creepers and painted white but if it's less picturesque it is also more possible last year i didn't dare to sit in it because of the earwigs there's a new marie the old marie with the red hair who wouldn't more than half fill my water-jugs left only last week the new marie is a black-haired black-eyed one and far nicer there's a letter for me from alice and of course there's a letter for susan from the regrettable ruddington but i'm not going to bother with either of them till i've had a peep at the path that winds along the beck to the sea in the summer-house i do wish alice wouldn't she's found out somehow that ruddington was at the towers all through the last week of her visit she's quite vicious about my running away according to her first three pages i must get married some day and lord ruddington has been so to speak restored to the county by divine providence for the express purpose of taking pity on my old maidhood to scamper off to st veronique is therefore to fly in providence's face yet according to alice's fourth page my flight to france looks far more pointed than if i'd stolidly stuck at home if a mere logical triumph were worth a single drop of ink i might twit alice with the inconsistency if it's true that the calculating coyness of my maiden flight has already put it into his highness's head that i am one of the candidates i might fairly claim alice's praise instead of her blame i shouldn't care so much if alice weren't so insistently practical she positively wants me to race back next week and she says she can even manage hugh so that he'll bring her with him and do his bird slaughtering at traxelby instead of at maxfield no doubt she is confident that by october the second the bag will be twenty pheasants a dozen partridges and one lord i wonder what alice would say if i wrote straight off and told her that lord ruddington to my certain knowledge has already disposed of his charms elsewhere i wish i could tell her it would be such hollow tiresome work arguing with her on every ground save the solid fact monday night the lamb in wolf's clothing gave me a bad twenty-four hours on the boat and in dieppe but he has certainly done a power of good to susan she hasn't got over her surprise at my not giving her a lecture and a mighty scolding and she's brimming over with silent gratitude ruddington's letter is irritating but in a sense rather nice i didn't ask susan to show it to me i thought it would keep very well till to-morrow but susan has laid it inside my blotting-case rather graceful of her 
unless she's afraid that a personal delivery of it would remind me of mr john lamb and wake up a dormant volcano here is the letter ruddington towers saturday september eighth nineteen hundred six my dear susan i may begin this way may i not your letter this morning has brought me unspeakable relief and happiness when thursdays and fridays posts were blank i hardly restrained myself from waylaying you at traxelby as it's utterly beyond me to thank you enough for your letter i'll try a little grumbling instead is it not rather cruel to say that i must not write more than once a week once a week for a month means only four letters in all shan't we be almost as much strangers when you come back as when you went away when you come back the words make my blood run faster they're like the refrain of a song when you come back they're the music i shall march by and live my life by till you come i enter into all you say about giving you a quiet month to think and to decide i understand and i admire it and yet it's almost more than i can stand to know where you are to have the power to join you in a few hours and yet to be forced to serve a month's imprisonment in england is well-nigh too much for flesh and blood as i lay down your letter this morning i realize that by riding hard across ruddington heath i could have caught you for a moment at the station but i set your sovereign command before my eyes and stayed at home ought you not to be very nice to me for being so good and obedient for example don't i deserve a long letter on tuesday till you come back and forever ruddington p s do not be angry with me for what i am going to say although i put it in a postscript it is uppermost in my thoughts pray don't think i am about to try and coax you out of your month's reflection long and hard though i shall find it i say have the month by all means but is it necessary that you should pass the month in your present conditions it tortures me to know that while i live this month in comfort and leisure you will often find it difficult even to snatch the time for one weekly letter now that i know that no one else has won you take my word for it dearest that no one ever shall susan is going to be my susan even if i've to take her by storm what follows this from the moment of reading your letter i promoted myself to be your protector to our lives end how then can i tolerate you remaining for another hour in a servile position for which you were never born into which some hateful freak of fate has thrust you and out of which it is the greatest honour of my life to rescue you it maddens me that perhaps at this very moment you are being ordered about and made to fetch and carry for somebody who isn't fit to lace your shoes reading this you can easily be angry but bear with me there are so many ways in which a thing like this could be arranged without unseemliness and surely nothing can be more unfitting than that you should be distracted from so solemn a decision by a fussy pressure of petty tasks i entreat you to give me the great happiness of setting you free r his gentle lordship does not condescend to state whether in the event of susan being set free he will forthwith send me carriage paid a new maid as fanciable and wholesome as susan with feet that move about like susan's as quietly as two mice but of course as i'm merely somebody not fit to lace susan's shoes i don't count to-morrow there'll be the worry of sending off an answer what will he say when he sees susan's own handwriting 
and how shall we explain the first letter being in mine i suppose susan had better make a clean breast of it i expect his infatuation is proof even against susan's blots and pothooks now for bed mardi midi i have drunk coffee with a big bright soup-spoon out of a little white bowl with pink rosebuds inside and out also i have eaten four croissants and a shameful quantity of normandy butter this was at eight o'clock since then i have followed the beck all the way to the sea have bathed have climbed the cliff and have been to the post-office for stamps through the window i can see georgette placing a blinding cut-glass decanter of fresh-drawn foamy cider full in the sun on my table in the orchard as susan would say a feeling came over me where the beck runs past the poplars i couldn't help stamping my heel on the ground and saying it is true that i am back in normandy after lunch there'll be my letter to alice i shan't say anything about ruddington except that she mustn't go on being a tease then there'll be susan's letter to the lord of burleigh it would be inhuman to make him wait for it any longer georgette has just brought out a melon its minutes are numbered i haven't felt so hungry for ages i wonder what mr lamb is doing and what yarn he has spun at amelia road poor gibson too if i were susan i think i'd send him just a st veronique postcard deo gracias c'est servi tuesday night i am like a bird in a net after lunch susan came to me and begged pardon for asking if i hadn't forgotten the post no i answered it doesn't go out for five hours by the way susan what are you going to say to lord ruddington her face fell please miss she said i was thinking perhaps you would write the letter for me no susan i replied promptly i can't do that if talking it over will help you i'm willing i don't mind even scribbling something out in pencil but i can't write it surely it's bad enough that he's had one letter in my handwriting i wouldn't have had it happen for the world besides you'll have to write the letters yourself before long so why not face it at once we shall need to think out some way of explaining to him why the other handwriting was different while i was speaking susan was becoming more and more agitated and when i ceased she didn't answer come susan i said kindly she began to weep oh miss she sobbed on friday i told you a lie i told you i didn't copy it out in my own writing because i didn't think she stopped well i said after i had waited long enough i thought miss sobbed susan i thought i was afraid if he saw my writing he might give me up and what you'd wrote looked so beautiful and ladylike miss that she couldn't go on susan i said you've acted very wrongly you've done wrong to me and you've deceived lord ruddington worse still you've done wrong to yourself if he really cared for you he wouldn't have been turned away by bad writing but he won't admire deceit you've taken the first step on the wrong path and you don't know what will be the end i am getting to be a practised preacher since last thursday i've laid down more of the moral law than in all the rest of my life susan heard me in meekness i know it was wicked she said 
but oh miss do please please write the letter to-day it won't be many times more if i do it one time more i expect i shall have to do it fifty susan looked mysterious no miss she said with assurance not fifty why not i asked and after some pressing susan confessed that she has snatched five hours from sleep since friday for the express purpose of conforming her penmanship to the pattern of mine she showed me some specimens and i was astonished at the advance she had made well susan i said at last i don't like it at all and i'm very angry with you but if there's any prospect of your going on improving like this in your writing perhaps it will be as well for me to write your next two or three letters then i shan't need to be brought into the affair so far as lord ruddington is concerned at all susan's gratitude was touching i'll never forget how good you've been to me miss she said choking down a sob find georgette i said while she's clearing the table bring down my writing-case we'll do it under the trees susan danced off with a skittiness that surprised me when she came back i asked her what she had decided to say i was thinking miss she said you might say how nice it would have been if he'd galloped over the heath to the station and don't you think miss he would like to hear how we thought he was mr lamb never a word to him about mr lamb as long as you live susan i said peremptorily as for the heath it would have been very wrong of him but how are you going to answer his postscript this long bit at the end all about your leaving me at once leaving you miss asked susan mystified yes i said looking at her don't you see lord reddington wants you to leave me at once her face flushed with such genuine trouble that i forgave susan everything and took her back into my heart oh no miss she cried i didn't understand he meant that i wouldn't ever do that what susan had taken the postscript to mean i have no notion nor do i know yet whether in the near future i shall be expected to give susan and her spouse a suite of rooms at traxelby or whether she will offer me a housekeeper's place at the towers it is plain that she does not entertain the idea of our being parted i said lord ruddington doesn't like to think that you are well in any sense a servant to put it plainly he wants to find you money so that you can begin to lead a lady's life at once it does him credit but susan of course you can't take money from him have you saved anything susan says she has saved thirty pounds and nothing could be sounder than the quickness and firmness with which she decided that cash transactions with lord reddington just now are unthinkable nor can anything be more indisputable than her unweakened devotion to myself you can go upstairs and practice handwriting i told her come down in about half an hour and i shall have some sort of a letter ready but two half-hours passed in vain attempts to produce an epistle proper to susan's temperament and intellect i've realized this afternoon that i can never write a play i tried hard to think and feel as susan must think and feel but i could only think and feel on my own account at the end of an hour and a half the best i had been able to achieve was this st veronique tuesday yes you may call me dear susan but you must not say my until it is true you say it was good of you not to ride over the heath to the station if you had done it i should have been grieved 
we had a smooth crossing from new haven and we stayed till monday morning in dieppe i like st veronique and do not want to spend my month anywhere else i am not angry with you for saying what you do about setting me free how could i be anything but grateful for an offer that is so kindly meant and so delicately made to ease you of your kind fears on my account let me tell you that i have always been happy with miss langley and that during this month i shall have little work and plenty of leisure i look forward to receiving another letter from you on monday susan briggs end of book three part one